I like it when church is like this. God's presence just comes and takes over, and he's the reason we're here. He's the, we say he's the reason for this season, but he's the reason we're here every Sunday. He's the reason we gather. He's the reason we live. Come on. It's for his glory and for his honor and for his praise. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2, a familiar passage. In fact, sometimes I would say maybe it gets a little bit too familiar. And my prayer this morning is that uh, God would restore unto us the wonder and the awe and the amazement of what it is we're celebrating during this time of year. Now, I know this probably isn't the right time of year. Historians say it was maybe the spring, something like that. But nevertheless, we're in a time where people begin to acknowledge and open, and we hear songs even in the stores. Come on. (laughs) About Jesus. And I like that. I like it when you walk into Target and you hear, you know, divine night, oh, night divine, right? Uh, Holy night. I like it when I hear hear it in these stores and the atmosphere changes, but uh, it's that season. And I know some of you are still getting some shopping done if you're like me. Last minute. And uh, one of the things, as a shopper, I know this. I have to go in with a plan. Anybody else? I have to go in with a plan. But when it comes to getting gifts, sometimes you're looking for that gift for somebody And you don't know until you see it. You don't know that it's the right gift until you see it. You you just say, I know, I'll know when I see it. And you know because of the person, their character, who they are. You know their needs. You know what they like. And so when you find it, there's that joy. Amen? Like, oh, they're going to love this. They're going to love this. This is going to hit the spot. Or at least you hope. And you give them that return receipt. You know, but... That gift receipt. But I love that about Christmas. I love that we get to go out and try to figure out what is that gift that's just right that's going to bless this person. And I believe the Lord has something for you this morning. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got something for you this morning. And I just know we need to know what we're looking for when it comes to life. There's a story I'm going to share. Was, you might have heard this in the news. There was a group of tourists who spent hours on a Saturday night looking for a missing woman near Iceland's El, El, El Dodge Canyon, only to find her among the search party. <laughs> the group was traveling through Iceland on a tour bus and stopped near a volcanic canyon Soon there was a word of a missing passenger. The woman who had changed clothes didn't recognize the description of herself and joined in the search. But the search was called off about 3 a.m. when it became clear the missing woman was, in fact, accounted for in searching for herself. Now, see, you think that's funny, but there's a reality of people trying to figure out and find themselves, right? Find out who you really are, your identity in Christ. That's not what I'm preaching on, but I just thought it was a really funny story. (laughs) 
But uh, there, there, there is this reality that when the Lord changes and transforms your life, you may not recognize yourself anymore. People describe me before I was saved, and I'm like, nope. I don't remember that guy. He's dead. And so you may not recognize yourself. And that's the reason God does this work in your life gradually, because you wouldn't wake up and you would not know what to do with yourself if you were transformed all at once, right? Um, but this is a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. Thank God for that. But I believe as we go into this passage this morning, I believe it has some prophetic significance for us. And the times we're living in, and we look at the first coming of Jesus, and we believe we are closer and closer and closer to his return. Amen? And three encounters with the baby that I believe can show us something about how we are to be in the times we're living in. And as you go through this passage in in Luke chapter 2, you see that... Even as the shepherds came and shared, there was this wonder in the people. There was a wonder in what they said and what the angel revealed to them. They were in awe. And you look at Acts chapter 2, when the, when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost and the church was exploding and, and God was doing miracles and adding to the church daily, there was a sense of awe. Yeah. And as I was just preparing and praying and not sleeping and you know getting ready, for this message this morning, I was reminded of how miraculous it is that God became a man. And that we can get so familiar with this. I mean, if you've grown up in church, you've been in kids' plays, you've seen the, the nativity scenes, you've done the parts, you've quoted this passage at some point in your life in a kid's play. But you can, you can forget the wonder and the awe of it. And how amazing it is that God became a man and a baby, even more so. But these three encounters, let's start, start in verse 8. And it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Somebody say good tidings. Of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. And I look and I love this because you think about who Jesus came or who the angels came to and revealed this message to these shepherds. Who were these folks and what were they like? And and, uh, you know, they were not a very, very popular group of people. They were considered social misfits, thieves and religious outcasts. They were considered unclean, were not able to participate in temple worship. They spent their entire lives taking care of sheep. I mean, you know, that's a dirty job. Their job was dangerous and at times, but mostly boring and tedious. It was also believed that the shepherds likely cared for the sheep that went to the, were to be used in temple sacrifice. But this is who these angel, the angel appears to in the host of heaven. And there in the pitch of dark of night, here comes these angels and they, they interrupt the normal. They break into the monotony of this day-to-day job, and, and, and God reveals his plan 
for salvation what he's doing in the earth and and the birth of the savior and i love it how this comes and that you know it's almost like here there's going to be an interruption of regular broadcast of your normal life it's time for a special spectacular report for these shepherds it's time for something earth shaking something history making god chooses the lowly what do we see in this that he chose these guys he chooses the lowly the message isn't sent to the powerful the message isn't sent to the magistrates or the religious rulers or the chief priests the message is sent to the poor as well as the rich the lowly and the outcast god is out for the last the least and the lost and he brings this message this good news this good tidings of great joy to these very people who have been passed over who are considered unworthy and i love that that encourages me just as mary in the previous chapter in the magnificat she's praising god and she says this she says he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave just as pastor john shared and as there was this there's a theme even in the words this morning of humility humbling ourselves jesus said come unto me all you labor and are heavy laden i will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from on you and learn from me. For I'm lowly and what? He's gentle in heart. That's who that's how he makes us to be. That's how he transforms us. It also shows Jesus has an affinity for shepherds, right? He has an affinity for shepherds. And you know, just as Moses was called while he was shepherding the flock, and just as David was called to be king while he was shepherding the flock. So the first to hear the news of the king of kings and the great shepherd of Israel were the lowly shepherds. And see, the shepherds, as they took care of these sheep that were to be used in the temple sacrifice, they understood that. They understood that 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 was a picture that was a type and shadow of what Jesus would come and be the Lamb of God who gave himself for sin. Amen? Are you guys with me this morning? And just as they cared for the lamb, the sheep and the lambs, so God cares for his sheep. He was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. It was a revelation of his sacrificial death that would be. But I want you to see this morning three things that I think we can learn from these three encounters. And the first one with the shepherds is, in verse 12 it goes on to say and this will be the sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger and i i just meditated on that for a long time this will be the sign that that god chose to speak that specifically and what and you know when you think of a sign you think of something that has is distinguishing and it has a clear message distinguished and it has a clear message I don't know if you have these pictures, right? Some of you had some cool board, 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 billboard signs that you've seen before. Clear message, right? All you can eat restaurant and, and hiding the pimples. But you know, that, that sign gets your attention. It's got your, your focus and you're like, well, I get the message. It's very clear. And this, this was to be clear for them. The sign of the baby in the manger wrapped in swaddling cloths was a distinguishing sign and i believe it shows us a few things you see these shepherds when they went looking for this the sign they did this 
They went right away. I love that when, when the angels and the host of heaven had said, glory to God in the highest, good news among men, and peace to those of good will. Then they, he leaves, they leave, and they immediately say, let's go and see what the angels have told us about in Bethlehem. Immediately. They didn't say, well, what do you think? We just had this glorious divine encounter. What do you think? Should we go? It was immediate faith without doubt and a response and action in response to what God was speaking. I love the simplicity of their faith and the immediate action in their faith. And it leads us to something that said, this will be the sign. We're going to go find the sign. How many know you've been in life and you've missed some signs? Right? God trying to speak to you. God trying to show you something at a point in your life. I can think of many points and many intersections, exit points maybe that God had for me on the path that I was on that I missed. But this was the sign of, of, of his promise. Amen. The clear message was this, and in this, that, that, that he is the God-man, the Redeemer, Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, God in us. Come on, somebody. God in us. He is the Word become flesh. All of the prophetic words over the Old Testament, over 300 of them fulfilled in his life. The Word became flesh. Every single prophetic word spoken had to be fulfilled in him. And once they were all spoken, then he could come. It says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. In the fullness of time. That is the kairos time that God has. How many know we live in a kairos time now? There's opportunity. There's opportunity for us in this. But the shepherds wouldn't find a king on the throne. They wouldn't find a young prince in his palace. They wouldn't find a commander of armies, but a baby in a manger. I want you to just think on that for a moment. How profound that is, that God chose to reveal himself this way. He would live our very, he would become one of us. He would live our life so that he would become the merciful high priest who understands, who empathizes with everything we experience. Amen. Aren't you glad we can come boldly before his throne? Because he's the high priest who knows what we've gone through, who knows what we've experienced, who knows our pain, who knows our suffering, who knows what we face, and yet he faced even more and overcame. Praise God. His poverty... They couldn't even find a room. It had to be in a, in a, in a feeding trough where we would find the, the, the God-man. None of these things we pride ourselves in, power, fortune, fame. He had none of them. He was distinguished by his poverty. And I love 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, this one's good. That though he was rich, yet for his, your sakes, he became poor that through his poverty, through his poverty might become rich. That you through his poverty might become rich. Aren't you glad? The riches of his glory, the riches of the inheritance that we have in the saints. Come on, somebody. This, this harmless, approachable baby, God manifested it himself to Israel as. 
And then thirdly was this, his limits. You see, he was swaddled. And there's something about it. You've had a child, you've had an infant, you know you swaddle them to keep them secure, to keep them tight, to keep them right. Little, we used to call it the burrito. Yeah. Babies were like, just put me, my kids will still every once in a while, hey, put me in the burrito, all right? There's something about that security, right? That need for security that the Son of God had to put himself, subject himself, condescend to that place. But it was a picture of his life and how he would live because he lived within the limits that his father had set. I want you to see that this morning. You see, the condition of mankind happened because man refused to live within the limits that the father had set. And so Jesus coming back, right, to gain back what man had lost, had to live in the limits and live it perfectly. To fulfill every jot and tittle of the law. He was born under the law and he had to fulfill the law. To fulfill all righteousness. And so he lived within the limits of the law of righteousness. Aren't you thankful he did? Therefore not disqualifying himself but qualifying himself as the spotless Lamb of God. Praise God. But fourthly, it exhibits the value that God places on human life, on human nature. I know we, we like to look at all our weaknesses and our frailties and our, how we are we, we make mistakes and we sin and we mess up. But Jesus looks at us and he sees value. Tremendous value. Value in an infant, and I will say it, value in a fetus. He sees value, life. The one who formed us in our mother's womb, who fashioned us, who framed us. There's value in it. And he placed such a value that he would not have condescended, came down and stooped himself to such a level for something that was worthless. So I don't know what somebody's told you today or some other day, but you are valued. You are worth it. God determined your value. You don't determine your value. God determined your value. Someone else doesn't determine your value. What they say about you doesn't matter. It matters what he said when he sent his son to prove your value and your worth. He stooped down and he became, he humbled himself. Left the throne So from the shepherds, we learn that they look for the sign. Next, going on in Luke chapter 2, skipping forward, we see the shepherds after that, they had came and they told everyone at the manger and everybody wondered, as I was saying earlier, and they were just like in awe. But I love what Mary's response to the shepherd's message was. It says, she pondered, she treasured these things. And then she pondered them in her heart. She treasured these things, and then she pondered them in her heart. There's something to be learned here. There's something to be learned here because when God's doing things and wonderful things, we can quickly forget the works of God. I, can, I say we can quickly forget the works of God. In Psalm 78, it says that's the reason 
They fell apart in the wilderness. They forgot the works of God. We have to be reminded of all the good things he's done. And we got to stir that up. We got to ponder those things. We got to treasure those things. We got to meditate on what God's been doing. Come on. We meditate on a lot of things we shouldn't think. Biblical meditation is to fill yourself. You know, all these other types of meditation is to empty, but biblical is to fill yourself with who God is and his word. Filled to the fullness. But it starts in pondering. You want to stay filled with the Holy Spirit? Meditate on his word. Come on. Be planted. Sorry, I took a detour. Just We're coming back. All right. Luke chapter 2, 25, 26. And there was a man. Somebody say, there was a man. In Jerusalem, whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, don't, don't just gloss over that. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Pentecost hasn't come yet. Are you with me? This is special. Don't ever take for granted the Holy Spirit being upon you. Oh, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. See, number two here is Simeon waited. Oh, we love that word. Come on. That's the theme of the Holy Spirit this morning. Come on. You're in the holiday season. You're waiting in lines. You're waiting for Amazon trucks. You're waiting for FedEx. Come on. But this is a different kind of waiting. This is a, an expectant waiting on the Lord. Waiting and serving Him. So... I love this testimony. What a testimony. We don't know anything else about Simeon except he was righteous, he was devout, the Holy Spirit was upon him, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. His occupation was waiting. That's all we know. But what a testimony. And right before this, he, Mary and Joseph, they... They had Jesus circumcised on the eighth day, and then there was the time of purification according to the law of Moses for a, a male child, and it was 40 days. And so after this, they brought him to the temple in Jerusalem to present him there, also according to the law. The firstborn should be presented and given to the Lord. And so there was this ceremony going on, and, and at the same time, I mean, no, the Holy Spirit's orchestrating things. He's already orchestrated things through an, a census to move them to Bethlehem for the divine birth. Come on. He's been orchestrating things, and he's orchestrating things with Simeon, this man who's waited his entire life, waiting and waiting in expectation. And he says, by the Spirit, he came into the temple. In the Spirit, he was led into the temple. I, I want to go to church that way every Sunday. Come on. In the spirit, he was led into the temple, and when he came into the temple, he crosses their path, and he immediately recognizes the baby. He's been waiting his whole life for this moment. I don't know. I thought you'd get excited about that, because you've been waiting your whole life in this moment. 
happens. This account, this is the only place in Scripture we hear of Simeon in this incredible account. But you see, he waited for consolation. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And you know, this word to console is to alleviate or lessen the grief, sorrow, or disappointment of something to give comfort or refreshment. How many like that? And Israel needed comfort. It had been 400 years without the prophetic word. Israel needed comfort. They were under a stranger's rule, Roman Empire. The decline of the nation. And that's the backdrop of Simeon's waiting. Do you see the relevance today? Things in the natural are falling apart and getting worse, but he has a hope in his heart. He has a faith. He has an expectation in his heart that goes beyond that. And that's his focus. That's his aim. And that's what he's waiting for. And like Abraham who waited for his son, he didn't grow weak in faith. He kept believing until he saw. He kept believing until he saw the fulfillment of the promise. And I don't know who's here this morning. You've been waiting a long time for some things for God to do in your life. Don't give up. How many times have I seen Christians on the verge of breakthrough, on the verge of the answer, on the verge of the promise being fulfilled, and they give up? They lose heart. That's why the scripture says don't lose heart in well-doing, but keep on. For in due season you will reap. You will have the harvest that God intends for you. But we don't like to wait. Lonnie Riley called it the four-letter Christian cuss word. (laughs) But they were hanging on the words of Isaiah, the prophet, from 700 years. You didn't, turn to somebody and say, you didn't have to wait 700 years. All right. Comfort, oh, comfort my people. Isaiah 40, verse 1 and 2. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And see, that double for all her sins, I used to get stuck on that. Like, that doesn't sound good. But what it was, was they, when there was a debt, they'd put it on the door, and there was this little piece of paper, and when your debt was paid, someone came over and doubled over the paper, and that was the key, that your debt was paid. Come on, somebody. The debt's been paid because Jesus paid the price. He doubled it over. The debt's paid. Redemption. He came into the spirit in the temple. He sees this baby. The expectation of his lifetime is finally here. His timing is perfect. How many know God's timing is perfect? It's just, will we wait for it? Will we move when he says move? Will we wait when he says wait? Because if you get there too early, you'll miss your moment. Upon seeing Jesus in the temple, Simeon takes him into his arms. And he blessed God. Come on. This moment, this elderly man who's been faithful, 
righteous and devout. I want to say this, righteous has to do with his behavior towards men. Devout has to do with his behavior towards God. He was good on both fronts. Come on. That's a good testimony. But he holds that baby and he blesses the Lord. He worships in that moment. And he says, now, Lord, this profound statement in Luke 29 through 32, 2, 29 through 32 says this. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Come on. But because his eyes had seen salvation, I want you to see something this morning. His eyes didn't just see a baby. He saw beyond. You see, Simeon was one who saw, who was looking for consolation, but he was looking forward for consolation. But when he saw the baby, he looked beyond the natural. And he saw God's purpose, God's intention, God's plan of of the ages. The glory of Israel, the hope of the nation, the desires of the desire of the nations, the, the light to the Gentiles. He probably in that moment had to remember all those scriptures from Isaiah talking about that he would be a light to the Gentiles, that he would be a light to those in darkness, those in dungeons, those prisoners in dungeons would be set free. Come on, somebody, if you were one of those people. That he takes us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. It was all those scriptures and all those passages and promises welled up in his spirit in that moment as he was holding this baby. Looking into the eyes of the Savior. Seeing salvation. Not only have you done this, Lord, for me, but in the sight of all people. But he could say this. Now let your servant depart in peace. Only a Christian can depart in peace. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to be afraid because we have the Savior. Come on. We have the promise. Come on. That it's just a promotion when we believe this life. When we leave this, we are to be absent from this body is to be immediately present with the Lord. And so we have this wonderful promise. And he had seen it. He was, he was fulfilled. And he said, Lord, now I can go. Now I can go. Having received his comfort and consolation in our afflictions, we are then able to come alongside those who are hurting. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. How many people, and I want just to challenge you this morning with this in your heart as you go out and about and you're shopping or you're doing your errands or you're buying the food or whatever you're doing, you're taking your kids back and forth from school. I guess they're out now, but hopefully. Whatever it is you do, how many people do we pass who can't find consolation? Like Jesus, he looked upon the crowds and His heart broke because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, distressed and and despaired, dispirited. That's the condition. There's so many people we cross on a day-to-day basis. There's no consolation for their grief 
When somebody dies, they have no hope. There's no help for their sorrow. Yet, we have this comfort. Look at the scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Oh, you see, if, if you got hold of this, you, you look at trials and tribulations a lot different. You could. I'm not saying we get excited for trials and tribulations. They're not fun. But James says to take joy. Why? Because as you go through it, you don't go through it like everybody else, church. You have the comforter. You have the consolation of Israel. Come on. You have his consolation in your life. You can go through it and you can have hope and you can have expectation and you know that no matter what happens, God's got you. And with that same comfort that you've been comforted in the midst of yours, then you can come alongside somebody who's hurting and you can say, I know a comforter. That's what it means, this comfort. Same word. Same base as Paraclesis, the Holy Spirit. Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, who comes alongside us and consoles us, comforts us. He's near to those who are broken in heart. Aren't you glad for that this morning, church? He's the consolation of Israel. There's some people who need some comfort. You know, we are facing, there's a pandemic, but in the midst of the pandemic, there's an epidemic of suicide. Numbers skyrocketing because no consolation. What's the hope? What's the hope? The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and he's out there convincing people that there's no hope, but yet you have a hope in a future, and you have a comfort. Come on. You have something to give, church, to a people who are in that state of darkness and despair. We have a hope, and we know that in the valley of the shadow of death, no matter what we go through, his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Because he's the great shepherd. Life's so much easier when you let him be the shepherd. Oh, when you quit trying to figure it out and you say, you just decide I'm going to lay down in green pastures and just chill and let him lead. I'm going to let him lead me beside still waters. Come on. I'm going to let him lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I can go through it if he's in front, but not if I'm in front. Simeon then prophesied to Mary concerning Jesus. He says, this child will be responsible for the rise and fall of many in Israel. And the sword will pierce even your heart. The rise and fall. You see, the same Jesus who's so compelling to us, so radiant in glory and majesty and love, eyes burning with fire of love for us, People who hate him are repelled by him. They fall. But the rise of those, he raises up those who are humble. The humble he exalts, the proud he brings down. So he would be responsible for the rise and fall of many. We could spend some time on that. But that sword would pierce even her heart because as a mother, 
How, do, how many know that this pain of the cross and seeing him suffer, she, she felt it, she experienced it with him. No mother can, can handle seeing their child go through pain and suffering. They'd rather suffered on their behalf, so that sword pierced her heart. But even in the midst of all that, he was the consolation of Israel, and there would be victory in the end. Come on. He would send forth the comforter. She was in that recipient of that as well. So praise God for the comforter. Simeon sought and waited for the consolation of Israel. And I want to finish thirdly with in verse 36 going on it says and there was a prophetess Anna the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher she was advanced in years and lived with her husband seven years after her marriage 37 verse 37 then says and then as a widow to the age of 84 she never left the temple serving night somebody say night and day with fastings and prayers Think about that for a moment. Decades and decades and decades. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. She was a prophetess, and she was an intercessor who God had positioned at this juncture in history between two dispensations. To see she was praying and she was interceding and she was praying for the will of God when even the son was being birthed. Anna, her name means grace, and her father, Phanuel, his name means face of God. You see, she had it in her destiny and purpose to see the face of God. And there she was in the temple and in this moment of praise and prophetic words from Simeon, she comes into the party. And she sees that very moment she begins to give thanks because this is the one I've been praying for. This is the one I've been waiting for. This is the one I've been believing for. You see, the shepherds looked for the sign. Simeon waited for consolation, and Anna prayed for redemption. She prayed for redemption as a prophetic intercessor. Here's the thing. 400 years, no prophetic voice. She begins to hear the voice of God. And she begins to get insights into God's purpose and plan in that time and that hour. Knowing she was born for such a time as this. And as she began to get insights, she began to pray what God had showed her into reality. That's what intercession is. God reveals his will to us. This is why, church, we are a house of prayer. This is why it's so essential to us, because things don't happen when we don't pray. Come on. There are so many things that God wants to do. It says he looks to and fro, looking for someone who will stand in the gap, who will pray and believe for what he wants to accomplish. He needs agreement on earth to do it. And there was Anna in the gap saying, your will be done. Prophesying, declaring, praying, believing, and now seeing the redemption for Jerusalem. What is redemption? 
It's to be bought back, restored to value. Restored to the original value. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, somebody. What was lost has been bought back. It's been won back by the cross. The redemption. He was the redemption of Israel. He's our redemption. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says this. It says, by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who has become to us. What? Wisdom from above. He's become to us righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He's become all those things to us. Come on, aren't you glad this morning? He is all of that. He redeems and restores and makes new All those years of faithfully serving the Lord, this was the moment she had anticipated. And she was not going to keep it to herself. She was not. The shepherds didn't keep it to themselves. It was too good to be true news. They couldn't keep it to themselves. They couldn't contain it. What happens when the church gets that back? Come on. We can't keep it to ourselves. we got to share it. It's just too good. Oh, we'd rather talk about current events. Oh, you got quiet. But this is the greatest event. This is the event that changed history. This is the event that changed our calendar. Come on. We live in a world in need of redemption, deliverance from sin, its penalty, its power, and eventually its presence. We're also praying for this. We're anticipating another redemption. Luke 21, 28 says, but when these things begin to take place, come on, we see some things taking place in our time. There's another return that's imminent. When we begin to see the sign, just as the shepherds look for the sign, we have signs that are beginning to take place, recognizing the signs of the times that we live in. And it says, but when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads. Everybody do one of these. For your redemption is drawing near. Your redemption is drawing near. I don't know when he's coming. I just know it's closer than it was yesterday. And that these things have significance for us now. That they're... We're living in a world that is in a desperate cry for consolation, for comfort from their afflictions, from their hurting, from their pain, from the consequences of sin in their lives, the iniquity that has worn them down and held them down and kept them in the place of the enemy's control. They're looking for consolation. We sang the songs of over addictions and over all these things, but there's so many around us who need that consolation that only Jesus offers. The comfort of the Holy Spirit when He comes and He ministers to us. So many that need redemption, they feel worthless, they feel lost, they are, and they need to know the price that's been paid for them. I want us to stand this morning as we close.
I'm amazed sometimes that God, he has his own order of things, right? And uh, some of these things he's began to speak before this even, I got to speak this morning. So I, I love the Holy Spirit because he does that. Amen. But I believe we're to pray right now. I believe we're to join together our faith because God is calling us, the church, just as these three accounts had significance in his first coming. They give us a picture of what we're called to in this time we are in. That the second coming, you've even heard unbelievers ask, well, what about this return of Jesus? Man, we used to have this guy come from New Zealand who, I don't think, I think he passed away. Yeah, Barry, Barry Smith. And uh, I remember being, being in like high school and he'd come and he'd put up this big, huge timeline back here on this wall and uh, show all the events of the end times. Man, this place would pack out. And I'm saying about half those people were like, how much time do I have? <laughs> Trying to figure out how much time they have. And he would always bring the gospel message going, you cannot afford to wait. Today's the day of salvation. Don't wait. Now is the acceptable time. Not tomorrow. And uh, maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus or made him Jesus have your savior or made him Lord of your life or maybe maybe you need to recommit your life you'd say pastor I've strown away from him well today's the day don't don't miss the opportunity as always that's our heart here but I believe as the church we have a significant place to declare and announce and proclaim right Bible says we are the royal priesthood a holy nation a chosen generation, amen? A people for his own possession that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, amen? So we've got some things to declare this morning and to be the people of God. And so I just wanna, can we just pray in the Holy Ghost for just a moment? Just grab your neighbor's hand right now and I just wanna pray. Because I believe God wants to raise the expectation. Raise. He wants to take us from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from a new place of believing and just reaching for what he has in this season. Father, we just believe right now, Father, we thank you for your word. And we say this morning, let it be done according to your word. As you spoke to Mary, God, we believe this morning you want to birth some new things in us as your people. God, that you want to bring forth your promises. You want to bring forth your purpose in this hour. And God, we believe that we have been called for such a time as this. And Lord, this morning we acknowledge that call. We acknowledge that purpose. We acknowledge your timing. We acknowledge that you have set before us, Lord, a purpose in this time. And God, right now we just submit ourselves to your will. Father, we give ourselves wholly to you. During this season that we celebrate the gift that you've given us, God, we know the greatest gift we can give is ourselves holy to you, holy to you this morning. 
Father, I just pray over each and every person and family represented here this morning that, God, that you would stir up faith, that you would stir up expectation. God, that you would challenge us this morning. God, that our eyes would truly be up and looking and aware, God, that you would give us prophetic insight, prophetic vision, God, for your people to begin to see, God, your purpose and your timing right now, what you have for us, Lord to begin to see those around us in their current situation and their need for your consolation, oh God. Their need for your comfort, oh God. Give us the compassion. Let us be compelled by your love towards those who are in need, to those who are hurting, to those who are lost, to those who are in the place of darkness and despair and distress, oh God. Give us that heart this morning, we pray. Father, we thank you for it. Father, we thank you for healing and miracles you're doing, Jesus. You, as you said, these signs shall follow those who believe. <laughs> these signs, God, I just pray for signs and wonders and miracles, Lord, to attest to your word, God, to manifest according to your word, God. We thank you that there, your word would be followed and attested to by signs and wonders and miracles. We thank you that that is happening this morning. We thank you that blind eyes are being opened. We thank you, Lord, that bodies are being healed this morning. God, we thank you, God, that you are the God of miracles, God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, you are still healing. You're still delivering. You're still making new, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we praise you, Lord, I pray you would restore unto us that sense of awe and wonder at who you are. Awe and wonder of the incarnation, Jesus, that you left your throne, you humbled yourself as a servant, became as a bond slave for us, Lord Jesus. We thank you this morning that somehow the uncreated, omnipotent, God who created the heavens and earth and the universe and all that we see that exists, God, that you somehow constrained yourself to that human body. Let us see the wonder of who you are, Jesus, this morning. 